Today, you are going to get a front row seat to the incredible Springbok career of 1995 world champion Marius Herter. Marius, welcome to Front Row Rugby. Thank you, Peter, and thank you for having me on the show. It's my pleasure. Now, let's begin by taking a look at today's trivia question. In 2009, who started at fly half for the Springboks in the first two tests against the British and Irish Lions? Now, if you know the answer to the question, you can put it in the comment section down below, and we'll also find out if Marius knows the answer, but we'll do that at the end of our conversation. Marius, let's go back to 1995. Talk to me about how you were feeling when you first found out that you were in the Rugby World Cup squad. Well, obviously, it's a long time ago, so I need to juggle my mind a bit um, to, to get those memories. Um, yeah, so it was for me, it was a special time as I... Obviously, we had trials back in the day, playing one another and playing groups and teams played one another. So, eventually, when I found out I was a Springbok, it was my first time as a Springbok and then first time in a World Cup as well. So, quite special. I mean, obviously, I know exactly where I was in the moments and the feelings and who was around me with this and that. But, um, yeah, words can't describe, you know, what one goes through when, when they announce, you know, the team. I've had quite a few former Springboks on the show that were part of that 1995 setup. Joel Stransky, for example, told me that the fitness sessions that you guys went through was torture. How would you describe it? Yeah, I know. It's very, very similar. The, the, the two fittest times that I've ever been was, was the first one was in, when I was in the Army in the, in the paratroopers. And the second one was <laughs> in the World Cup under, under those fitness coaches. When, uh, when you get to the pitches... It looks like mini Olympics with the cones and ladders and all of this and that. Yes, and I hated running. And uh, no, we were, the one thing the team was, was very fit. And how were you feeling ahead of your Springbok debut against Romania? Yeah, I was, I was obviously nervous because um, it's, it's, a, it's a World Cup. There's a lot of expectation. Um, it's, it's um, hopefully, you know, things will go wrong. You can never underestimate because it's Romania, um, you know, be complacent. Hopefully, the you know the team will pitch. Um, the the game plan will will you know will sort itself out and yeah. So it's always nervous, but in in the the person I am, I'm just worrying about scrimmaging. So I'm not too worried about playing with the ball, looking for the ball, touching the ball. I, I, I just want to scrum, lifting the line out and ruck, and that was the thing. The final score was 21-8 that day. I think there were a lot of people that thought the score would be a lot larger in favour of the Springboks. Were you disappointed that we couldn't win by more? No, I, I think just if I can, you know, um, think back how I felt and, and, and just the scoreline. It doesn't matter, you know, what the scoreline is. It doesn't say too much if it's a runaway score or whether you, you win by a point like we did now. But, um, yeah, it's... Um, the, as long as the result is there, because you know, obviously the, one of the aims of the group or pools are that you want to get past the pool and set you know set yourself up for for quarters and semis. Um, so no, not disappointed at all. I think glad we you know we I, we we came past that. And then after that Romania match, we moved on to Port Elizabeth uh, for what would become known as the Battle of Butte Rasmus against Canada. I have to ask you, Marius, did you get any shots in? <laughs> No, I didn't. I had to go and look for footage again because people said, no, they saw me. But they didn't see me through a punch. So, no, I was clear of anything there. But no, what, a, what a day, what a game day that was. Yes, um, it was uh, it was quite nerve-wracking because obviously we were out on the pitch. Then the power of 
you know, got cut back in. I had to stay focused again, warm up again, back out again, and then, you know, that whole skirmish, um, yeah, it was terrible. But the result was there again. Absolutely. Now, I've got to ask you, what was it like being part of that World Cup squad, but then not actually having a role to play in the final? I think, well, that's the one thing with uh, groups um, and teams and squads. Um, although you maybe not one of the 15 on, on that day on the pitch, the, the, the strength of the team lies in the group. And having, you know, coaches having um, a choice to pick who they want and um, and use players for certain, you know, roles that they fulfill. Also, depending on whether, you know, some guys perform better when it's dry, some guys perform better when it's wet. And I think that's a strength of a group or a squad of players that, you know, they can make these choices and changes as it suits the, the kind of game they want to play. So, no, I was just happy to be in the group anyway. So let me ask you, what did it feel like when the referee blew the final whistle and you were a rugby world champion? <laughs> yeah, well, can you? Yes, I still remember the the crowd and obviously the country at that time. Yes, they were, they were going ballistic. Everyone, I think, if you ask them where they were the day that the final whistle blew, where they were, they will tell you exactly where they where they was, where they were, and, and how they felt. And yeah, it was just it was. What a what a day! What a what a year it was. After that, you know, people going berserk in the in the streets with the buses, and you know, uh, we toured the country a little bit just to show the the web uh, the web Alice Cup, and it was amazing. It really was amazing. I mean, I was just a little boy at the time, but I can remember it as if it was yesterday. I want to ask you a little bit about Kitch Christie as a coach. As I said, I've had quite a few of the 1995 Springboks on this show, and especially the guys who came from Transvaal, as it was called in those days, they loved Kitch. And then some of the other guys say that they maybe had an indifferent relationship with him. What did you make of Kitch? Yeah, I think um, Kitch was... I didn't. I personally, I didn't get along with Kitch, but I wasn't there to get along with him. I was there as a player, and he was there as a coach. So uh, he was. He was. A, I think. Uh, I think he was a brilliant coach. I think he was very knowledgeable. He was very focused. He was very um, results driven. Um, he was tactically very sharp. And um, so whether I get along with him or not, you know, it's it's irrelevant. And it's a, it's the same with players in the squad as well. It's it's good if players get along with one another, but there's there are always, you know, egos and personalities and different way of doing things so players won't all, always get along but again we're not there to get along we're there to do a job um it, and they, and obviously everyone tolerates one another a little bit but um yeah no kitch was just um we're from northern transvaal so that's just on the other side of the office river so <laughs> no we uh he was a very good coach he was replaced in 1996 by Andre Markroff. I'm going to ask you to tell us a little bit about how you experienced Markroff as a coach. Yeah, I like Markroff as a coach. Um, I like, it's probably an old school thing as well. Um, and being a forward, Markroff being a forward, um, he was a disciplinarian. You know, he was very strict. He was very rigid. He, um, we we um, we trained very hard under his, um, um, under his coaching uh, um, or his way of coaching. So a lot of contact, a lot of scrummaging, a lot of physical. But, but it's also, in a way, it's also good because um, it bat battle hardens you. Um, so now I like Mark Roth as a coach. 
And then there was this new competition called the Tri-Nations, and you were Andre Markov's tight head of choice for that competition. We didn't know it at the time, but we would find out in the 20, 30 years later that every year the Springboks go to Australia and New Zealand, and 90% of the time we lose over there. Can you tell us in your experience, why is it so difficult for our players to go over there? Well, I think one one big issue is a mindset, because we, we go there and we know New Zealand is it's a tough country. <laughs> it's not easy to go and win there. Um, you know, even their supporters will go like, good luck, because you're going to need it. And if you haven't been there, um, it's quite a hostile environment um, to go and play it. Australia, don't know so much. They were they were quite a good side at the time, you know, not not being disrespectful. But, um, and I think the, the other thing was, obviously, the timelines. Because um, you, you have a week or whatever to adapt and, you know, lose a bit of that jet lag and stuff. But... Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's it's always it's uh, those two countries back in the day were they were tough ones to go and play there and beat them. And then we came home, and very disappointingly, we became the first Springbok team to lose a series at home against the All Blacks. In your opinion, what went wrong? Yeah, I remember that uh, test at Newlands. I think we were going backwards because when I I think I played seven tests against New Zealand, I only won once. Um, maybe it was the last test match in this series. But um, I remember going backwards and James Dalton breaking up out of the scrum and saying, it looks like we're scrummaging with rollerblades. <laughs> going backwards. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it was just uh, New Zealand at the time when I we, when we played them. You know, we were still, we were every game selecting different players, different locks, different this, different, like testing the waters. And we couldn't obviously find the right um, solution or the right combination. And um, yeah, no, it was, and you know, being New Zealand, these guys, they played many tests together as a front row, even. I mean, those guys, Greg Dowd, Olive Brown, Sean Fitzpatrick, they played 30, 40 tests together just as a front row. We sit here with us, we've, we've got five, six, seven tests, you know, amongst us. So yeah, no, it was, it was hard work. Speaking of heartbreaking, I've heard many sportsmen say over the years that they never want to be the first ones to achieve a negative record, such as losing a series at home for the first time to the All Blacks. How were you feeling at that stage? No, we were obviously very disappointed because you don't want to be a, a you know a part of a group that that loses or loses for the first time or series or whatever it is. Um, it, it was like the '97 as well with that British and Irish Lions tour. That, you know, when they came over, we didn't have it. In my world now, didn't know, or in my understanding, didn't know a kicker. Have a kicker. Um, so no, it's always disappointing, but that's part of sport. You know, you, you've got to deal with it. You're going to have good times. You're going to have bad times. Um, and if you if you didn't get it right, you didn't get it right. There's got to be a loser. It's got to be a winner. So that's just part of the sporting world. Hey, if you're enjoying this video, why not consider becoming a patron? It's my dream, guys, to do this full-time, and with a small financial contribution, you can help me realize that dream. The link and the QR code is appearing on your screen right now, and I'll also put it down in the description area for you to go and click on at a later stage if you would like to do so. And by becoming a patron, I promise there will be great benefits for members. Now let's get back to the interview. And then not long after that, Andre Markroft dropped a bombshell by dropping the captain, Francois Pinot, from the squad. What was your reaction to that? 
Yeah, look again. Um, all this, this, the, the whole squad, uh, aren't privileged to to inside conversations because they're obviously leadership conversations and um, co uh, coaches and management. You know, do have their discussions and their concerns about you know leadership, players, and and what have you. So, if they're giving us a new captain, that's the, that's the that's the new captain. I mean. You can't, you can't, you know, cling on to the past and say, no, I wish Francois was here. I wish Tian was here. I wish this oak or that oak was here. So, and, and, but what I do know is once the captain is appointed, everyone, you know, steps in line and we follow the captain. So, yeah, it's, but uh, being a team sport, these roles are going to change and, and players are going to change and, you know, leadership roles are going to change. So you're just going to, you know, embrace that and, 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 you know, keep going. And that was for the end of year two in 1996. You actually missed out on uh, selection for that. And then you mentioned the British and Irish Lions series, which you also didn't play in. Was that because of injury? No, I think that was probably selection. Um, uh, we, <laughs> we, we, were, we were around, um, like in, in terms of fringe players, but we were never selected in that, in that squad. Um, yeah, why, I don't know. Um, but Coaches again, I've got the, you know, the preferences and 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 um, yeah, so I, yeah, don't know. And then after that Lions series, you were back in uh, to take on the All Blacks at Ellis Park in, I think what we can say was actually a classic, 35-32. Uh, Obviously disappointing that we were the ones who had to lose so narrowly in that. Uh, but talk to me about playing in a match like that. Yeah, um, one funny thing, if I can call it funny, is that. I, I never made the year, end of the year to us, but then when the Tri Nations happened again, I'm back in the squad because I know they need scrummaging. <laughs> yeah, so those games are really hard, eh? And um, and obviously there goes a lot of preparation into into that game, into the weekend's game, just strategically and and just um, we've got to analyze your opponents. Each player gets an opportunity to analyze your opponents and to see what they do, where they do it, and um, yeah. So that's one thing knowing. You know what we're capable of and what they are doing, but it's another thing executing. So on the day, lots of things can happen. Um, but I must say that that 80 minutes is brutal. And you know, back in the day, we were still rucking one another. So you made sure you're not lying on the ground somewhere because you know you're going to get you know railway marks on your <laughs> your back somewhere. Yeah, but no, it's um, it's it's full on. And after that, we went away from home for the away leg of the Tri-Nations that, se uh, that season. And quite a curious one. I I've always found it difficult to describe this one. So I'm going to ask you to describe it for me. The 55-35 defeat in Christchurch to the All Blacks. Because on the one hand, you say, OK, we've become the first Springbok team to concede 50 points. And obviously, that's not a good thing. But at the same time, we scored five tries and put 35 points on the board ourselves, which that's hardly a bad thing away from home. How would you describe that fixture? Yeah, I don't know. It, that, that type of scores is obviously the, it's a defensive issue. So, well, in, in my mind now, because but it goes, it cuts both ways. So, how did we get those points on the board? We obviously we nailed them somewhere in, in the defensive line, but how did they get fifty points on us? So, exactly the same thing. But um, yeah, and and that's again, once again, it's it's good analysis by coaching by coaches, and um, that we obviously made you know made use of that. Um, but they were obviously on the day they made use of their inside info as well and attacked us at those points and yeah, they 
put 50 on us. Not, 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 it, it wasn't pretty. It certainly wasn't. And I can tell you at half past four in the morning, it's quite tough as well from a fan's point of view. But nevertheless, we came home and then we hammered Australia 61-22 at Loftus. How satisfying was that result? Yeah, now that was one of the better days in the office again. Um, that was on the Carl Duplessis at the time. And um, yes, I was I was so happy for him and um, and for the team as well. And it was at Loftus as well, my favourite home ground. So no, that was a good day in South African rugby. I have to ask you, Marius, 61 points on the board, plenty of tries. Is there a part of you that is wondering why none of your teammates could at least just find you in a little bit of space so you could also score one? <laughs> no, I wasn't comfortable with playing. <laughs> we still joke about it because we've, we're trying to find footage where I actually ever had the ball in my hands and there's very, very, very limited footage. <laughs> Of that, so no, I'm quite comfortable not having, not having them. You touched on it very briefly there about Carl Duplessis. I did ask you about Markroff and Kitch a little bit earlier. Tell us about Carl Duplessis as a coach. I think Carl was a Carl was a brilliant player, um, very knowledgeable. Um, but I think in the in the public's eye and maybe in, in, from a coach's point of view, he wasn't as as good in in, in translating that that. Um, that energy he had, the way he played into coach into a coaching strategy. Um, but other than that, I mean, I think he was with Gert uh, Small at the time, and um, yeah, it was just you know, or, or the players didn't relate, or the coaching you know uh, strategy didn't to you know translate or whatever it was. So I think that was the thing. But as a person, fantastic guy. As a player, even more brilliant. But as a coach, obviously, yeah, there was something missing. And that 61-22 win over the Wallabies, turns out it was your last test match for the Springboks. How disappointed were you that it ended there? Yeah, it's always disappointing. But uh, it, in a way, you know, I've been there three years, four coaches. I think Mallet took over just after. And Mallet said, no, the English Oaks, we can't, uh, the Afrikaans Oaks, we don't communicate well. Let's put English Oaks in. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just joking you, but um, no, it's very disappointing if if you know once you finish up. But I also, you know, I've, I've played for or I got invited for an international team, played at uh, Twickenham, and then had an opportunity to go and play overseas. So you know, um, yeah. So that was my is once doors close, others open up, and you know, life goes on. So who was your toughest opponent, Marius? Uh, lo- locally, it was Gary Pagel. I mean, he played for he he played for uh, province, and I played for the Bulls, and we literally scrambled the living daylights out of one another. And he was a he was a big stocky bloke. Um, so now I had my workout out when I when I saw the team sheet and Gary's playing, and then uh, internationally it was great out. You know, when that All Black um, front row for himself and Sean Fitzpatrick and Olo and uh, Olo Brown played, that was hard work. Because also, you know, one-on-one is fine. Um, but, you know, because, because in props, all they, they play together and they scrum together and they attack together. It's a pack. So um, uh, that was hard work. Is there a current player who you admire? Um, I'll always go for tight end. So France Malarabe, for that guy to stick it out. <laughs> to stick it out week in, week out. And, you know, and knowing the amount of hammering your body takes. 
and the amount of effort that you need to put into, you know, to lock that scrum down and, you know, still partake for 80 minutes around the field. Yeah, uh, well done. Hats off to that guy. France is a formidable tight end prop. There's no doubt about that. Maurice, let me ask you this. Is there a particularly funny moment that you can share with us from your time with the Springboks? Um, funny. I don't know. It was maybe funny at the time, but it's, it wasn't. So what happened was that in, in that Canada game, we were at lunch and just a, a pre-match meal. And someone was asking, where are the videos? So we still worked with videos. Where are the videos um, of a certain game that we want to analyze something? And I, I can't remember if it was Adrian Richter or Kreine Ort who said, no, Ruben, Ruben is, has got them. But Ruben is not, he's not, a, he's not an analyst. He doesn't, he just gets into the pitch and play. And I started laughing, but I normally laugh when I'm nervous. So I started laughing and that laughter carried over into giggling. And then I, my, I was crying my, my, my eyes out. And then Kitch didn't think that it was funny. And I saw him tensed up at the table. And I excused myself as I nearly fell off my chair. And I, so I went to my room and Krainer Otto is my roommate. And we're lying there in the bed and waiting for the bus and the phone rings. And, and um, Krainer says, Ach, yeah, he doesn't know, but it's Kitch. And I answered the phone, and Morne, um, Duplessis, answer, uh, he says, uh, can you and Krena come and see us in our room, please? I know there's trouble. So I went, we, as we go down the hallway, Krena uh, was cracking jokes. So when, I, when Kitch opens the door, I'm already with a smile on my face. And, and he went ballistic, saying that he's going to send us home. And I said, well, why can't, why can Bali and Clubus make jokes and everyone is fine with that but when Krona and myself are making jokes it's not funny um, yeah so that was a tense moment um, before the match and then luckily we won that game <laughs> but nothing was said afterwards anyway but yeah tense sounds good to me let me ask you uh, one final question Marius what are you up to these days yeah, so I'm a qualified lawyer practicing in the field of labor and family law uh, at Ward Brink Attorneys in Cape Town um, yeah, so I'm still from the old school, when I say stable, where we, we still, we were, we grew up in the amateur days, so we still had to study and then after studies or after work, we, we trained. Yeah, so luckily, you know, throughout my rugby career, I finished my law degree and articles and all of this and that, so kept it going and then after rugby, yeah, I went straight into law. So that's what I keep myself busy with. Sounds good to me. Now, just before we finish up, let's take a look at the trivia question again. In 2009, who started at fly half for the Springboks in the first two tests against the British and Irish Lions? Do you know the answer, Marius? Um, it might be... It, oh, it's either Lambie or... It could have been Butch, but I think maybe Pat Lambie. Okay, so let me give you the correct answer because they are from that same era as well. The first two tests, the man who started in the number 10 jersey was actually Ruan Pinar. Ah. And that is where we will leave it for today. Maurice, let me say it was lovely having you on Front Row Rugby today and an absolute pleasure. And I hope that we can have you on again in the future. Thank you, Peter. Thank you for having me.